Good afternoon, Anchor Nation. This is Aaron Rollins coming at you again live once again for another episode of Southeast Third Street. Thank you to all of my listeners, the two, three, maybe four of you. Appreciate your continued loyalty. I am driving home. There is traffic on this highway. Ugh. That is disappointing. Because I'm about to have to sit in this. Golly. Must be a wreck. I always get self-conscious about that because I initially am like, God, traffic, this sucks. But in reality, somebody's day has probably been ruined um, because of a, you know, accident on the road. But all I can think of is me. <laughs> that fits along with that meme. No, you only think about yourself. Well, yeah, to be fair, everybody doesn't. Anyway, moving on. Um, I am going to do an interview with KVVX, a Waco news channel. I don't really know what that's about. This person isn't letting me merge. You're supposed to let me merge, boy. Um, it's called a zipper effect. One goes forward, one zips in, one goes forward, one zips in, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, so his windshield wiper's on on his back. That's going to tear his windshield wiper blade up. Anyway, <laughs> if you turn your blades on when your window is dry, it's going to jack it up. Um, maybe if I flatten yeah, you know what, it's not my problem. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um... Uh, so I had mentioned the last podcast about leaving my job, and my brother's first thought is that you better have something else lined up. Yeah, well, I've got interviews. Um, there's no offers yet. I did have an offer in Waco, uh, but it didn't fit my school schedule. And, you know, at this point in my life, I've, I have got to get this done. As much as I don't want to go to school anymore and do these classes and do this crap, I I need to get this finished. Uh, I, I can't keep working these bottom-of-the-barrel jobs, um, especially in healthcare. Now, you guys that aren't in healthcare, you you know, you know hear people talk about, oh, they're healthcare heroes. They're um, putting themselves at risk and putting their lives on the line to, to help other people get better, you know, subjecting themselves to possible infection and injury to care for these people. And yes, yes, yes. That's all true. You know, I run the risk of, of getting contaminated with blood, getting contaminated with a virus, all the time, um, and I take precautions to help me with that, but that doesn't eliminate the risk. It diminishes it. So thank you for your support. How I, w- I will counter that with observations that I have seen firsthand in the freaking healthcare field that make me not want to work there anymore. So we had a patient that um, was severely distressed uh, last Thursday, and I may have talked about this on the podcast. I can't really recall. It's just been at the front of my mind here recently because of how people have um, reacted to this situation. Now, this patient had come in on Saturday, not the previous Saturday uh, from a few days ago, but the week before, and had acted a fool. Uh, This patient was drunk beyond belief, uh, was like fighting um, restraints, and, uh, you know, it, it just got really ugly. And so this patient came back because this patient was incredibly drunk. Um, I've seen worse, but you know, this patient was still drunk. We checked alcohol levels and it was uh, 299, almost 300, which um, you're, I'm, I'm, tell, I'm saying point, 0.299, 0. 
which uh, 0.1415 is intoxicated. Um, or is it 0.08? No, I'm, I'm wrong. 0.08 is considered intoxication. Now, everybody has a different opinion on what that means, but you, you get the point of what I'm saying. This patient alcohol level is 0.299. All right, moving on now that we've established that. This patient was also in severe distress and was wanting to commit suicide. Um, some people heard this patient say they didn't have a plan. Other people heard this person say they did have a plan, that they were going to run out into the street and let traffic figure it out. And um, they got kind of confusing because unless the, the doctor hears a statement like that, we can't restrain this person and keep them from hurting themselves. And so um, we knew that this person was going to need one-to-one observation. And I was assigned that. No, I wasn't. A woman was assigned that task. This patient was female and had a history of sexual abuse. And in those situations, you typically don't stick them with a man. You stick them with a woman because, you know, you don't want to do anything to set this patient off even further. And um, this patient was being disrespectful. Um, Not in in a way that was like specific against this lady she was just spitting her venom at whoever was there and it happened to be this lady and this this lady that was uh doing the one-to-one observation i actually like her um she's brought me food we we cut up we joke i've talked to her kids um she's got kids in the marines so you know we got we got a, a somewhat of a bond and I, I tried to, once I heard that there was a disagreement going down, I tried to go in and, and, and ear hustle and see what was happening. And then the next thing I know, things uh, just escalated one step up. Because like I said, this patient was drunk. And so um, things started getting a little bit more uh, tense. And so our uh, our sitter had to uh, step away. And um, I, I was tasked with uh, sitting with this person. So... <clears throat> It got to where uh, this patient needed an EKG, and the way we do EKGs is we put these little sticky, they're called electrodes, on the the human body, and uh, we have to get under the person's shirt. And I didn't know at the time that this patient was a victim of sexual abuse, and I should not have done this, but, you know, it's it's too late for that now. Um, Did the EKG, got to talking with this patient. This patient was obviously upset, so after talking and diverting that anger from whatever this person was anger angry about we got to just talking and and not actually um being upset anymore which was you know a kind of a win um and then you know after about 15 20 minutes of me uh having a one-on-one with this person no 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 that's wrong it was longer than that it was more closer to an hour um after about an hour of me uh, of talking with this person a podiatrist comes along and is uh has seen me before so this podiatrist comes to me and was like hey i need some supplies and i said uh yeah sure i just need to keep this person in eyesight and and not you know walk away from them but i can step you know like 10 15 feet away and help you find these things i just need to keep my eye on this patient and not let her walk off or or disappear so i walk away and i I help the doc find the tools that he needs and and i'm not even gone 10 seconds probably gone eight seven seconds if we're gonna split hairs here and the patient tries to walk out the door uh she gets her stuff together i was like hey what's going on you you stepping outside she's like yeah i gotta leave 
And I'm like, oh, you're going to go smoke? She, uh, she says, no, I'm leaving. And I was like, no fucking way you're leaving. So, um, you know, I didn't say that. But I, I started walking. I was like, hey, hey, wait, wait a second. Let me talk to you. She's like, no, I don't want to talk. And she starts getting real, um, how do you describe this? Uh, she, she started getting real for lack of a better term, rude. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. And what she didn't want is she just didn't want people trying to intervene here. And so as we're walking out the door, thank God the freaking social worker was in her office with the door open because we started to leave and um, it was just me following her out. And uh, I looked back and I was like, hey, she's trying to leave and nobody bothered to do anything about it. Um, so I, I follow her and the social worker quickly comes to follow her with me and we follow her outside. And, uh, as she's walking, um, obviously you can hear me talking and, and I've, I've got my little clipboard because I'm, I'm making documentation notes on it and, um, I'm, I'm trying to follow her and I can't physically stop her, um, from, from, from walking away. We, we didn't have what's called an emergency detention order. If we had an emergency detention order, then yes, I could physically restrain her. Uh, but we didn't have that. So we, we get going and I follow her outside of our little gate. And there's this, this is where some of the big issue is at, is that people will say that once they leave the gate, we can't do anything about that. Well, no, that's not entirely true because the little easement, the grass outside of that gate and the, the, the sidewalk and all that, that area there is considered VA property. So yeah, we can stop our patients from walking out into the road if we, if we have to, as long as they're not in the street. And so, um, we were, you know, with this person for like 30 minutes, uh, physically holding her her back from walking into the road and she's like telling us to stop she wants to do it she wants to let a car hit her and you know we're trying to convince her to come back inside she's like no it's taking too long I don't want to wait anymore I, I want to get this over with I just want to do this and you know using language that was obvious I want to kill myself I'm tired of sitting around um, and you know people will do drastic stuff to get us to hurry up like they'll rip their IV out or they'll try to get out of bed and walk around or they'll try to do stuff to to tell us that hey you've been taking a long time with me I need this to hurry and uh, this was a, a, a way more extreme than what I've seen as far as getting the care team to hurry up the process and unfortunately the way the process is designed it takes three to four hours it just does and in some cases it takes longer Especially if the, the prior week has been filled with um, psychiatric patients and all the facilities are full and they've got to make space. So, um, and there's, there's an update about this person that I'm going to get to after I tell the story. So, uh, we get to like 30 minutes into the situation. We're keeping this person from running into the street. The social worker actually starts crying because she really thinks that this, this woman is going to do it. And... I'm, I'm just trying to do my best to not let this happen and, you know, and not overreact and not raise my voice and not, you know, grab this patient in such a way that could be, um, I'm not trying to have even a hint of impropriety with this person, but I'm, I'm trying to physically hold her back from running out into the road. Um, and we did, we did good. We did okay. But the, the VA police ended up showing up like shortly after we got started with this woman and they couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't stop her. They couldn't put hands on her. All they could do is talk to her and watch. Um, and they, and they got to where, 
uh, the the girl didn't even want them around because she was that was making her more angry because she thought they were gonna they were gonna arrest her or they were gonna be rude and disrespectful because you know she's drunk she's obviously not thinking clearly and she's probably been arrested in the past she doesn't like cops you know people that have been arrested don't like cops because they don't want to get arrested again um, that's my general statement I'm saying that everyone's like that. Um, I've been arrested, and I don't care if cops talk to me a certain way. They're just doing their job. If As long as I'm innocent, I don't care how a cop talks to me because I'm innocent. When I'm not innocent, that's when I'm like, okay, buddy, uh, let's get this over with. Um, anyway, back to the story. So uh, what was I saying? So sh- the, the police show up, and <clears throat> they can't do anything because um, she's not inside the fence. And I'm like, that's a load of crap. They're also saying they can't do anything because there's not an emergency detention order, which they can't write anyway. Um, and I'm like, oh, well, what good are you in situations like these? You know, if, if you can't do anything in this moment, which I think is a load of crap, um, then, then why are you even bothering to be around? You know, go, go back inside if you're not going to make the situation any better. Um, so, and then I heard one of the officers say, officers say, the VA officer, say that he had gotten in trouble when he interacted with a patient that was having a situation like this in the past. And I'm like, well, man, that, that needs to change. That needs to change because I guarantee you this woman may not have killed herself, but she definitely would have hurt herself if the social worker and I had not been there. And... If the cops were there and they had to just let this happen, that would have been a serious situation because not only are you dealing with a patient that's injured, whoever injured that patient is going to have a bad day. And all the traffic uh, complications that arise from that because she tried to run into a street, a street that had moving cars, cars going 30, 40 miles an hour. And so that would have been a whole mess. And they're willing to let this happen because someone told them that they can't intervene in moments like these. When they're not on VA property, which they are on VA property. And we've got some people that, you know, you just can't, you can't tell them anything. You can't tell them that, no, you're technically wrong. And they're like, no, I'm not. I've been doing this for so long. I know what I'm talking about. All right. I understand that you have knowledge. You're not stupid. But maybe things have changed or maybe the definition was revised or maybe property was expanded or maybe policy was reviewed and revised so on and so forth so let's use our goddamn brains here and try not to let someone die today so you know we had all that happen and then uh temple police gets involved because she's not on va property uh temple cops need to get involved so that this person doesn't cause a traffic scene or an incident or whatever so they show up and it took them a while to get there um, they ended up showing up and, uh, I'm trying to change lanes here. Um, they show up and, oh, God dang it. Just trying to remember all the details is, is, is frustrating. They show up and, um, they don't want to, you know, put hands on her and arrest her. They don't want to do that. They don't, she doesn't want to get arrested, but she doesn't want them touching her or talking to her. So it's like, all right, this is a, a very volatile situation. We need to find a way to de-escalate things. And um, I step away and let the cops talk and the social worker talk. And they keep talking and they keep talking and they keep talking. And one of our nurses ends up stepping outside. 
Uh, she's a charge nurse, so she's supposed to be running things inside the the, the hospital. I mean, the emergency department. And uh, she comes out because she's worked in the civilian sector for a while, and she knows this lady. She knows this this patient. Per, uh, she's had experience with her in other places, so she has got a vested interest in making sure that she is intact and okay. And um, she comes out to be a part of the scene. And I step away because, you know, it's like I can't, I don't want to overwhelm the situation with more bodies. But, you know, this patient ends up getting a cigarette. She smokes. And she's walking around pacing, you know, trying to get away from everyone and uh, doing what she's doing. You know, she's trying to um, just express that she's aggravated. She's angry. She's distressed. She's depressed. She's suicidal. And uh, how she expresses that is by, you know, uh, not making eye contact, um, watching the cars, trying to walk out to the street, trying to get people to not touch her, shrug off physical contact, uh, push people out of the way, not like shove, you know, but, you know, gently slide her way out of people's control. And um, eventually, you know, she got to where it's like, I don't want that cop talking to me and I don't want that cop blocking my way and I want that cop to move away. And and the cop is like, I'm not going to move. And it turns out that this police officer was a crisis intervention specialist cop, which thank thank God he was there. Um, he, he didn't get rude. He didn't get disrespectful. Uh, he was just very matter of fact, I can't leave you. I can't leave you. I can't get out of the way. I can't move. I can't do that. And he was just telling her to, straight up, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then uh, handcuffs come out. After a, a few more attempts of her to get into the street and get away from the cops, handcuffs come out and they start throwing around uh, words like citation, and that got, that broke through. She she perked up after that and it was like, oh okay, um, they're gonna give me a ticket for this. I need to start acting right. I don't know why at that particular moment that broke through. Um, we had been with this this patient for a freaking while. Maybe the alcohol was starting to wear off. Maybe she was starting to come to her senses. I don't know. Maybe this was all an act. I can't possibly understand her her motivations or why things went the way that they went. All I know is, is that I was there, I was involved, and I tried to save this patient's life that day. So all that happens, this patient comes back into the room. She de-escalates. We get her to calm down. Cuffs come off. And then um, we start talking about an emergency detention order. And the police, the temple police that responded were like, hey, um, we need an emergency detention order. And they're like, uh, but she's voluntarily staying. It's like, yeah, we, we get that. She's voluntarily staying, but we need an emergency detention order. And they're like, but we, she's voluntarily staying. We don't want to write one if she's voluntary. voluntary. And we're like, no, 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 you, you got to understand where we're coming from. If we don't do one, we're going to be calling y'all in a matter of minutes when she runs back out that door again. And this, this one particular cop, he's a younger fella, He's like, well, I, I can't do what ifs. I don't, I don't want to entertain that. What ifs aren't satisfactory to me. And then we're like, that, you got to stop that for a second. All right. We know this patient. We have experience with this patient. You have to trust us. We need the emergency detention order. We need it. And then, um, you know, he's, he's trying not to do it uh, because in his mind, if the patient is voluntary, they shouldn't do an emergency detention order. And I get that. But he was trying to act like he knew better than us. And the, the way he was coming off was kind of rude towards us. And we're like, look, we're not trying to, to violate any rights here. We're not trying to do anything against the law. And we're not trying to make you do something that you shouldn't do. And eventually this person's sergeant shows up. And uh, he's like, yeah, we're going to get it going. And his tune changed real quick. It's interesting how when figures of authority get involved, people start changing their attitude. Anyway, we got that resolved. 
And, um, you know, I stayed with the patient for like another three hours after that, distracting her, answering her questions. She wanted to know how much longer it was going to take and all this other stuff. We had to keep the patient at the hospital because her alcohol level was so high um, and we needed her to detox. They sent her out the next day. Turns out that where she went, she was acting a fool. And so what I, what surprised me is I come to find out she didn't have a behavioral flag in her chart. That was a huge misstep. She needs to have a behavioral flag in her chart. Anyway, um, turns out that she, you know, she got where she was going and she was acting straight up. She took somebody's pen and she disassembled it. And uh, she was like hiding components of it for later. And she was like, you know, I, I want to do this. So I'm going to hide this shit. And so um, it turns out that she actually also has a personality disorder. And that explains a couple of things. She was defiant to authority. Uh, she was manipulative. So, you know, some sort of like borderline personality thing. I can totally believe that. Anyway, moving on. Um, what was I saying? Uh, so, yeah, we get that situation squared away. I stay with her for a little while. I keep her interested. And, in, uh, you know, I, I try to maintain a non-threatening posture. I try not to, to sit for too long because this patient was unpredictable. And I didn't want to be caught sitting when she tried to run again. Blah, blah, blah. So, um, fast forward. I'm, I'm in the break room. And uh, one of the nurses is, like, doing this I told you so crap. And she's, she's all, I told people that she had said she was going to run out in the street. And I, I said that if, if, if we, if we let it happen, she's going to run out in the street and kill herself. She's so, she said this like five times and, and you know, she's, she's getting wound up about this patient and I, I, I was stepping away to, to get away from all of that. Um, there was enough bodies involved at the time. So I removed myself. I don't like crowding. I don't like overdoing stuff. You know, I, I like for the right amount of people to be involved for the right job and for the job to get done. When you start involving too many bodies and too many voices, it can get confusing. Things can get misunderstood. And it just gets to be a mess. So I, I moved myself away. And plus, she was stressing me out. So I moved myself away. And so um, another nurse is walking by. And I told him, like, she is not helping when she does stuff like that. And he said, oh, yeah, big surprise. Because obviously this person has a reputation. So um, fast forward from there, you know, I go into the break room and uh, I'm getting another, you know, breath from, from, from whatever I'm doing at the time. I can't remember what happened. But I, I go into the break room and um, I, this, this same guy comes in with another guy. And uh, they're talking about her and... Um, you know, how, how much of a show she put on. And I'm like, yeah, that's possible just to put on a show. But I'm telling you, man, I was like physically out there holding her back, keeping her from running into the street. And he's like, yeah, but what's she going to do it? I think of these people as cockroaches. They're unkillable. They're not going to die and they're not going to do it. And, you know, in that situation, fuck it, figure it out. You know what? You're going to do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Run out there and try. And he, he just had such a nonchalant attitude about it. And I was like, I'm not willing to roll the dice like that because no matter how crappy that person's life is, it's still their life. You know, you may be willing to, to do that, but I'm not. And, you know, another guy was echoing his same thoughts. It's like, oh, yeah, they're just wanting attention. They're attention whores. They're just doing this as a cry for help. And I'm like, exactly. They need help. You know, that attitude of just fuck it, let God sort them out. It, you know, you're, you're wasting time and resources and I'm tired of putting up with this. That's a burnout attitude that I don't want to have. I don't want to become like that. I don't want to get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of your shit. Just go play in traffic and see if it works out for you. You know, because that's the attitude I'm hearing from people I work with. 
And, um, you know, I'm just tired. I'm just over it. I'm just over it. Uh, that's what I was talking about, you know, submitting my resignation notice here pretty soon. Um, yes, Shane, I'm going to uh, pursue employment, you know, in other venues. But I just can't, I can't keep listening to this. And I, 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 don't, I don't want to. I don't want to keep listening to this. You know, you, you get this uh, uh, horse and carrot uh, thing where the carrot are these positive experiences that make you feel really good about what you're doing, and then some shit happens. So last night, um, <laughs> and they crack the whip on you, and then you go back to running. It's like, oh, God, give me that carrot. I'm chasing the, the positive experience, and you get a little piece of it, and it makes you feel good, and then they crack the fucking whip on you again, and you got to keep running. So last night, a patient comes in, and, and this, again, again, was a difficult patient. He's an older man, uh, but he's got a pretty serious infection on his knee. And as you get older, it's harder for your body to fight infections. So his infection was pretty serious. It was big. And I, I sent a picture of it in the group chat that I'm, I'm in with my brother and some other people. And, um, you know, we saw how, how fat this infection was. And I tried to just explain to him. I was like, hey, man, it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to feel good. But I'm going to give you as much painkiller as I can. So I'm trying to give painkiller to this dude. And he's like squirming and fighting. His leg is jerking. He's moving his knee while my needle is in it. And I, I feel the needle and I see the needle dive further into his needle. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa buddy, you got to stop that. And so I'm, I'm trying to cut him with a, uh, a scalpel. And he's still moving around. He's trying to get comfortable. Because this hurts. It doesn't feel good. And I, I, I tell him, I was like, hey, man, I, I know what you're going through isn't comfortable, but you got to hold still. And so we're trying to distract each other. He's a psychologist. He understands about grounding techniques. He understands about focusing his brain to ignore the pain. But it's not working. He, he can't, he just can't do it. And so, you know, after about an hour and a half of me working on this guy, I do all that I can, and I can't do anymore. However, the instructions I got from the doctor who was there originally, who ended up leaving, it was like, hey, make sure you break up the capsule and, and pack it. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to do that, but I can't get to there because he can't tolerate it. So I go talk to a nurse practitioner. She is, and I hate to say this about her, she's a bitch. She's like, I got to do this. I got shit I got to do. We need to knock this out quick, fast, and in a hurry. Do you want me to do it or not? And she's telling the patient that matter of factly, do you want me to do it or not? You want me to do it or not? I, it's going to hurt, but you want me to do it or not? I'm not going to do anything you don't want me to do. But she said, you want me to do it? And she's, you know, kind of repeating herself. And finally it gets to where he's like, okay, let me get situated. And she's trying to, she's trying to be quick because she's not, she's not kidding. She's got shit she's got to do. So she's trying to be quick. She's trying to be expeditious. And she's trying to just get this going. So she gets started and she starts to put the needle in. He's like, hey, hold on. Let me get situated. And I've built up a, uh, an idea of how this guy operates. He's got to get comfortable. He's got to have an internal dialogue and he's got to give you the nod of approval to get ready. And if he ain't ready, he's going to start fidgeting. So another nurse comes in with us uh, to help us out because he's he's fidgety. He won't sit still. And when she puts that needle in his freaking knee, he starts to buck. So he starts jerking his arms. He starts twitching. He starts hollering, ow, 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 ow. And, you know, this obviously this hurts. But she slams a shitload of painkiller in this guy's knee, knee. And it's not in his knee. It's above his knee. All right. So it's not in a joint. It's on top of it. And he's like hollering and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, okay, at least she got it in. And she's like changing the angle up of the knee. She's doing all the things that I tried to do, but he was too fidgety for me to do it by myself. But now that this nurse practitioner has a nurse holding his arms and I'm holding his feet, we're able to get some progress. And so she starts kind of mashing on it a little bit more. Nothing happens. So she takes the syringe and she starts diving in on this motherfucker. And he's like, oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. And he knows what we're about to do. And she's like, you're not going to feel it. I just gave a whole bunch of painkiller. 
and he starts trying to rationalize with her and she's like no you're, you're not going to feel it and she starts cutting and I, I, when I say that she starts cutting it like somebody's cutting a slice of bread or chicken or, or, or carving the turkey she starts diving in on this fool and I'm like fuck man I mean even if I had painkiller in there that would still fucking hurt I'm feeling it and you're not even doing it to me and so she's, you know, diving in on this dude, chopping up, and, you know, she's she's being aggressive to make sure that all the infection is gone. So there is a method to why she's doing it. But she was just fucking blunt and, and, and uh, how's the word, dismissive of this dude's situation. He was hypersensitive. You know, he's very pain aversive. He felt, he felt this shit. And when we talked about it later, she said, oh, yeah, I 100% jammed that guy's bone with the needle. I'm like, you hit his fucking bone? Come on, man. You know, shit like this, I, I'm sick of seeing it. I'm sick of seeing people with these attitudes that are like, I got a job to do, I'm going to do it, fuck your feelings. I, I understand that there's a time and a place for that, but you can't be that way with everybody. You know, you got a fucking 70-year-old, 80-year-old Vietnam veteran coming through here that's, you know, a, a little bit sensitive when it comes to this shit, but understandably so. He's an old man, and you're just going to fucking dive in there with a fucking scalpel chopping this dude's up, knee up. Come on. Have some fucking... Uh, have some fucking pity on the guy's situation. You know, he didn't make this thing happen to him. He, he wasn't aware that he was going to get an infection on his knee doing whatever he was doing. All right, so that, that shit just gets on my nerves. And she, when we talked about it, she's so fucking dismissive about her situ, her, her, her approach. You know, she's like, I got shit to do. I, I mean, I, I understand that it hurt, but but I, I got shit I got to do. We got to get going. We got to do this. We got to get this done. And I'm like, God damn, man. God damn. Is that the attitude you have with everybody? Fuck. You know, I've been to the VA for some minor shit. Like, I had some blisters on my heels and I had some pain in my shins. And I wanted them to, to help me with that. But if I come in there for something serious, bro, I'm going to fucking avoid the place I work. Because they're going to treat me like that. And I'm I'm just not having that. I ain't having that at all. So, that's um the new updates from work that I've got. And why I am pursuing... Um, how do you say it? Uh, employment in other locations. So I'm I'm definitely making a wholehearted, uh, an earnest, um, an earnest attempt to get hired on somewhere else. I can't do this no more. These these people have shit attitudes. And I tried to say something to the charge nurse about it. Uh, I said, hey, make sure I ask this lady's advice before I ask for her help. She's like, why? It's because she brutalized that guy. She didn't say anything else because. I don't think she really agreed, but I was like, I, I was in there with that guy for an hour and a half. I started to understand him, not saying that I know him. You can't really know somebody after an hour and a half, but I, I started to understand him and understand, you know, how he dealt with what was going on. And she just fucking blasted through there. Didn't give a fuck. And the good thing was, is that by the time she started doing her thing, she confirmed that there really wasn't anything else to do. And my, my whole problem with that was that I, I wanted to keep going because I wanted to pack it. But I couldn't cut deeper because he was so fidgety and it was so painful. And so bringing um, the nurse practitioner in, she was able to give more um, painkiller and cut a little bit deeper. And maybe we could pack it. And I, I had mentioned that the doc wanted me to pack that. She's like, oh, no, you're not going to be able to pack it. And I was like, okay, that confirms what I was thinking. And I wanted to get, you know, someone with a higher degree of, of education. Nurse practitioners have a master's degree. And, and she's also been doing this for a long time. Um, I wanted to get her, you know, her say-so, maybe her blessing, if you will, on what the work that I had done. 
and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to patch you up, bandage you up, and then you'll be free to go. You've got a um, antibiotic ointment you can apply and antibiotic pills you can take to make sure the infection doesn't come back. But we squeezed the crap out of the thing. It bled like a stuck pig. You're good. Um, but it, I mean, even when she she started cutting and started to try to um, drain the, the the infection, we call it exudate. Even when she started doing that, he was still jumping and screaming, and and, and she um she had a freaking scalpel in her hand, and the guy was swinging and, and trying to jerk, and uh, the nurse like grabbed him and said, you know, I was worried about him cutting himself or her, and I was like, yeah, uh, because she was just being so fucking brutal, you know, she was it was like surgery, but he wasn't uh, anesthetized. So anyway, that was what all that was about. But just seeing stuff like that, you know, gr- granted these people have redeeming redeeming qualities. But I'm just tired of seeing stuff like this. You know, no matter how many times you write a report of contact or tell somebody that this is going on, they're not going to get rid of these people. And these people aren't going to change. So, and, you know, and, and, and there's only so much that I can tolerate before my bullshit meter gets full. And, you know, I have another episode where I'm screaming and hollering like I did last time. And I don't want to do that with a provider. Because once I do that, then the chief of medicine gets involved. And I might as well get fired by then. Because he's going to take their side. So that's where I'm at. I needed to get that off my chest. I, 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 I'm trying to copy JP's what and be a little more comical and, and make some jokes. Um, you know, but if you want fucking jokes, go to a stand up. You're not coming to me for that. You're coming to me for a reality check. So once again, thank you to all my loyal listeners. Still giving me a chance. Still tuning in. If, even if you're tuning in to make fun of me later, uh, at least you're tuning in. <laughs> at least somebody knows what's going on. Um, I'm about to be at my interview for KVVX. Uh, reminder, Waco Poet Society, Saturday. Uh, we may do like a live video on the Facebook page. I'm not entirely sure about that yet. Um, I know we got a special guest, Mike Gwynn. Check out Mike Gwynn on the internet if you haven't. Good dude. Um, but wish me luck. Uh, y'all pray for me, man, because I've been carrying this stuff for a while now. and it's It influences my poetry, which is great. It gives me stuff to work on and work with. But I'm kind of becoming a one-note man. Talking about my military career and my work and how it all sucks. I don't want to be one-note. <laughs> I want to be able to evolve and grow and, and, and entertain people in other ways. Uh, so y'all, y'all pray for me. I, I need this in my life. Um, other than that, it's getting hot out, y'all. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. You don't want me coming up on you while you're passed out in the heat having to stick a thermometer in your butt so I can make sure your temperature is stable. That's Because that's what we do when people pass out from heat, um, from heat injuries. We check their thermometer. Excuse me. We check their temperature with a thermometer up the ass. Yep. Don't ask me how it feels. I'm not going to tell you. So anyway, uh, once again, thank you for tuning in. This is Aaron Rollins with Southeast Third. We brought it to you live. Um, Also, my brother is going to be doing a new podcast. Uh, Instead of us being jackasses, we're going to try to like do stuff involving personal beefs. And he's calling it the Big Beefin Show. Uh, Find him on Instagram, Big underscore Beefin. I hate that I'm having to promote this. I hate I hate that phrase, but uh, he's been saying it since he's a fucking child anyway, so it don't matter. Um, give us a shot. Give us a chance. I promise you, you only waste a little bit of your time. Uh, this has been 
Aaron Rollins with Southeast Third, and I am signing off. Hydrate, take care of yourself, and don't do anything stupid. Alrighty.